this thing about 40 days in the Word. You know what Brandon said? It's a mercy thing. It's a justice thing. And it's built on this foundation called the Word of God. Is that cool? Huh? So you may say, well, you know, you know women's rights and all that stuff. I, I, I think women have rights. But I also know, using the scripture, that Psalm 139 says that before, as we are being knit together in our mother's womb, God knows us. Therefore, we are a person because this Bible that is the foundation I stand upon says so. So, I better watch it, I'm going to break my hand. So, that's why we stand on that. And I just heard this week, there's, there, there's a push. There's a couple of doctors in the United States right now. You've heard of partial birth abortions. There's a couple of guys pushing for afterbirth abortions. What? I think the Bible has something to say about that. It's called murder, in just case you're wondering. It's one of those, it's one of those tablets, those 10 things God wrote with his own hand. Remember those things? Not the suggestions, the commandments. Remember that? See, if we keep letting that slide, we'll just keep right on sliding. And, then only, and not only that, here's other people involved in that whole article that was written. What happens when you become less functional for society? Either because of your age or because of some handicap or something like that. Huh? What happens then? I think we should do what the Bible says. That's just me. That's my commentary for today. Get out there and sign a petition. Okay, just have at it. Anyway, a couple of things real quick. Um, get involved in the, in the, in the, in the 3T on, Sunday, on, thir- on Tuesday. We're, that's got to get for the sole purpose of worship and prayer. That's the only reason we come together. Third, third Tuesdays of every month, Thirsty Third Tuesday, our 3T service will be here. Hang out with us. I love doing that. Um, it seems like there's something else I need to tell you about, but I don't know what it is. Oh, I do remember. I'm looking at my computer. If, how many of you guys are using your smartphone this morning to check the scripture? Anybody? Or an iPad? We're doing a test run this morning. If you go to live event on version, you can follow my notes. Just like the insert we would have had, you know, but we had an internet and some kind of problem this week in the office, and so we didn't get anything printed on Friday. So I apologize for that, but that's sometimes you have technology issues. But right now it's fixed. So all of you here, and don't, don't be putting condemnation on your neighbor. What's he got his phone out for? What's he doing on that computer thing? Prayerfully, if you're sending a text, put that thing down right now. You ain't got time for that. So you'll put in a search for 45644, a live event should pop up, and you should see 40 days, D, 40 DIDTW. Week three should show up on your deal. Click that thing. You can follow my notes right along with me, okay? Um, just a test this week. We'll see how it runs. We'll keep doing it if it works. All right? Is that cool? I like power tools. I am not very proficient with power tools, but I like them. I got circular saws. I got drills. I got, I mean, I, I, I got all that kind of stuff. I get to use them very often, and sometimes I scare myself when I pull them out, but I do like them. I can't wait to use one when I get it. Rachel gives me a, a tool for a gift for Christmas. I can't wait to buy, I'm like a kid. I can't wait to jerk that thing out of the box. I think the last gift I got of something like that, I think, was a, was a shop vac, of all things. I couldn't wait to tear that thing out. You know what I mean? I remember one time, Jim bought me a, a, a lamp, a work lamp. He had the little plug-in deal, a little fluorescent thing you can hang from anywhere. I couldn't wait. I didn't even have anything to use. I just wanted to get that thing out of the box. 
couldn't wait, you know, and had power. It turned on. I'm like Tim the Tool Man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, you know, like computers. You know, the more power you get, the better off you are, man. How many of you guys? None of you guys waited in line for an iPad, did you? Tell me you did not wait in line for an iPad. I remember waiting in line for hours. You know why? Because it had a better picture. What is that all about? Anyway, that's a whole other deal. But I like that. And the more powerful it is, the more I like it. The more I want to use it. The more I scare my wife. I'm a movie buff, man. I love movies. And we're going to talk about something today that looks remotely like this. It makes noise and everything. It's awesome. This is my son's. We play all the time. It is my son's. Is it not my son's? See, my daughter's here to vouch for me. But I told him, I told him earlier in the week, I'm confiscating that for church Sunday morning. You can't do anything about it. The scriptures tell us we have a weapon. Now, the funny thing is, if you ever watch Star Wars, we watch an episode. We watched an episode this, this week. And the amazing thing about this weapon, man, if, you're gonna, if you know how to utilize it, it's awesome. Can you all hear that? That's awesome. Anyway, and it's full of light. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, there's this story that takes place. And it says in there, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You remember that part? And the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Do you remember that? And the Spirit of God was hovering there. Do you remember that? And then the Bible says, and God said, and he spoke, and darkness suddenly was illuminated with light. I love that scene in Star Wars Episode 2 where they're right at the end and there's Count Dooku is there fighting Anakin and uh, what's his name? Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this little scrawny dude named Yoda comes walking in. And Dooku has beat the garbage out of these two other guys. And this little old fella comes walking in. He pulls up his lightsaber and goes. And then he does business with Count Dooku. See, here's the thing. If you know how to wield this weapon, it makes no difference. Not this weapon. The weapon we're going to talk about. It makes no difference the odds. It makes no difference your age. It makes no difference if you think you're the man. If you don't know how to wield it, you will not be the man. But if you know how to do it and you look at everything stacked against you, you can't overcome and win the battle. It's a powerful weapon. This word of God is not only our foundation we build life on. As you learned last week, Jesse told us we can stand on it. I'm scaring bro to death. He told me not to do this. You can stand on this thing. I won't do what he did because he jumped straight up in the air. Bro, did when he tested out, make sure it was going to work, and came down with both feet. I will not do that. I'm too clumsy. But listen, it's powerful. It's strong. I can build my life on it, but also I can use it to wage war in my life. In case you haven't remembered or don't realize, you are in a battle. You are a fighter. You are a warrior. If you signed up just to sit in a pew, you have signed up for the wrong thing. 
You aren't enlisted to sit and just be still and listen to people. You have, been, you have been called to engage in a battle. In a battle, there is casualty. In a battle, there is, there is fight and there is injury. There's all that sort of stuff. But you have a powerful weapon that enables you to overcome, and it's called the Word of God. If we learn to use that weapon well, we will be overcomers. We will be more than conquerors. Light penetrates darkness, and the way light penetrates darkness is because the word of God is utilized correctly. Now here's the thing. If you look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 with me, there's a, a, real, a very well-known piece of scripture. And it reads like this. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's a powerful weapon. See, this lightsaber, if it were real and I were Yoda, I could come over here to Jim. I think my batteries just left. They're gone. I could take this lightsaber. I could take this and I could, I could separate his arm from the rest of his body without even knowing how to do it. The word of God is more powerful than that because this is easy to do. If I have a sharp enough weapon, I can do that with, with, to anybody. But you know what the, the word of God can do? It's alive and active. It's not an inanimate object like this piece of plastic I'm holding in my hand. It's alive and it is active. It almost has its own mind. And in fact, the scriptures tell us one place in Isaiah that it will do what it was set forth to do. Almost like it'll go where it wants to go. It'll be where it needs to be. It can accomplish what it needs to accomplish. Almost, almost without human effort. God asks us to participate in the plan but his word is active. Once it's uttered and once it's believed and trusted in, man, it just does stuff. Almost like it takes the wheel and just takes off down the road in our lives. It's alive and active. Those words there, alive and active, the word alive means it's, it's the word zon or zoe. It has to do with being, being living, alive. It has resurrection power. It can behave a certain way. The word active is the Greek word energes, where we get our word energy. It means to be effective. Not only is it active, it's effective. Not only does it, I mean, like here's the thing. I could, I could start slinging this thing around, and I could make a mess of things, literally. And maybe never accomplish much. But the word of God, not only is it alive and it can do stuff, it's effective in what it does. It can pinpoint. It's like a laser. What Brandon just said about sitting in a service, listening to a preacher preach, and trying to figure out what God's saying, when he submitted it to the word of God, all of a sudden God went, zoop, and got right to the point of the matter, man. Didn't fool around. How many guys like a surgeon that just went in there and started cutting until he figured out what was wrong? Anybody like that idea? Huh? You all wouldn't sign up for that, would you? Huh? Well, the Bible calls God the great physician. And he knows what ails us better than anybody else, and he can pinpoint the problem. And most of our problems are not physical. Most of them, at the very least, have a spiritual root that you cannot detect by mere human understanding. 
And so if we learn to wield this weapon well, we'll grow and we'll do something. We'll grow somewhere. We'll do it, here's, the, here's why it's so effective. I can, I, can, I can literally sever Jim's arm from his body. That would be easy. If I had a sharp enough sword, I could do that right now. But what God can do, God can take his word. He can penetrate right into the heart of Jim's chest. And he can separate his soul and his spirit. What's the real motivation? No other weapon can do that. That's, it's the most powerful weapon on the planet. No weapon can get it right onto the inside of it. It can cut off arms. It can cut off legs. It can separate other body parts. It can even separate our heads from the rest of our body. But no weapon can get into the very heart of who we are and help us discern where we're really going, what we're really doing, and what we're really about. No other weapon can do that. No, no, scal- no surgeon has a scalpel that sharp. It decided to work now. Not running up for very long. And so... That's what we're talking about. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says this. Let me read it to you. Put on your helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Twice now we realize, as we're looking at Scripture, that this Word of God we've been studying and are in the middle of 40 days of, it is, now it's, it was a foundation, it can be trusted, now it's a weapon. Now it can do something significant. Not only is it a structure that can be built in our lives and something we can stand upon, it is actually something we can use. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? So how does this, I want to read you a piece of commentary real quick. The sword of the Spirit that is furnished by the Spirit of God who inspired the writers and the Word of God. Um, Jesse Cook did an amazing job last week uh, describing that to us. And if you haven't listened to it, you got to go online and download it and listen to it um, about how we can trust God. because It teaches us about his character, and his character can absolutely be trusted. It's, it's accurate historically. It's accurate um, scientifically. It's accurate prophetically. It is, it, 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 it is what it's supposed to be. It can be trusted. The Trinity's imply here, the Spirit here and Christ and salvation and God the Father. The two-edged sword cutting both ways, striking some with conviction. And Bran had no idea I was going to say those words. Some with conversion and others with condemnation, it even says. In the mouth of Christ, in the hands of his saints. Christ's use of this sword temptation is our power and as how we are to wield it against Satan. There is no armor specific for the back, but only for the front of the body, implying, listen to these words, that we must never turn our back to the foe. Our only strategy is resisting ceaselessly. This sword is to be used, and it is not used to run. It is used to get right in the face of our enemy as he fights against us. And we have to ceaselessly, ceaselessly keep using it. Now, what does this thing do for us? Well, here's, here, I'm going to give you a list of things. We're going to run fast. I can't hit every scripture. I'd love to. What the weapon does for us, first and foremost, it transforms us. It gets on the inside of us, and it changes who we are, where we're going, how we look at life, what else is happening around. It causes us to see things how they really are, not how we think they are, not how the world says they are. It, causes us, it changes everything about us. James 1.18 says this, He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Is that a good word? 
Because of this word, we become what we were always meant to be. Now, we're talking about this idea of abortion sort of today because of um, the Ohio personhood amendment. You know what's amazing? In Psalm 139, it says that he knew us as we were being knit together in our mother's womb, right? There's another piece of scripture that says this, that he knew us before the foundation of the world. See, God had in mind who you ought to be, what function you would have. And when you allow his word to get at work on the inside of you to transform you, suddenly you start to become that which he always saw you being, even before those two single cell things came together in your mother's womb. Wow. And we get the chance to embark on his journey together, being transformed by the power and the grace of God. The second thing it does for us is it builds us. It is encouragement, it's encouragement and strength from it. There's encouragement and strength from it. Acts 20, 32 says these words. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all that he has set apart for himself. Wow. He's, Paul, Paul writes, I'm committing you to the grace of the message of God, which is the, the word of God. He, he says, listen, I, I know it will do its work. It will build you up. It will encourage you. It will strengthen you. Once we're transformed, going through life, sometimes we find we, we, we get torn down a little bit, don't we? Things get thrown at us that don't make a whole lot of sense. Things happen to us that we try to get, can, can hardly get over. And sometimes we need encouragement and strength. And the very first place we all ought to run is to the word of God. Wield that sword well. It gives you strength and it gives you life. You know what I find? It's one of the last things we pick up. Something goes wrong, you know what the first thing is we do? We grab the Kleenex boxes. We grab the telephone. We grab the the text thing or the email deal or whatever. We grab the plate and we throw it across the room. It's one of the last things we grab. And if you find yourself in the middle of something, you need to grab that sword, buddy. God didn't give it to you for it to sit on a shelf. It just described in a commentary. Jesus goes out into the wilderness. He's being torn down. Satan is beating the car. I almost said, Paul said, I'm saying anyway. He was getting the crap beat out of him. He was. And what he turned around to do, what was it? What, what was the thing he grabbed? It is written. He grabbed up that sword. Satan come out again. He grabbed it again. It is written. 40 days into this stuff, he grabbed it. Satan's still beating him up, trying to wear him down and wear him out. And he goes, it is written. And he found strength and encouragement to keep fighting the fight and keep walking the walk. Man, we ought to learn that lesson well. It also, faith feeds us. We eat a lot of stuff around here. I would ask what y'all have for breakfast this morning, but I don't want to embarrass anybody. As of yet, I haven't made time to eat breakfast yet, so I'm kind of a little bit ahead of y'all. Faith feeds us. See, we get fed from the news organizations. 
We get fed from the radio stations. We get fed from the newspapers. We get fed from our friends and our coworkers. We get fed all kinds of stuff from all kinds of places. And what we need to be feeding on is faith. The unfortunate thing about that, most of those things I just described will not feed you faith. Now, the Word of God will feed you faith, and according to Romans 10, 17, it's what we need. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. Listen, if you find yourself, faith is believing things that don't yet exist. The Bible says it was accounted unto Abraham righteousness because he called things that were not as though they were. He did not consider Sarah's empty womb. You get what I'm saying? He feeds us with his word. It, it, grow, it grows us. It grows us by equipping us. 2 Timothy 3.16. I love this. How many, how, many, how many of you sitting here right now, I don't know how many of you, actually work in children's church? Can I say something? I'm going to try not to cry by saying it right now. Thanks. I sat with my two sons last night. Eric, who just turned, turns four this week. And Caleb, who's five, will be six in June. And my, Rachel said, tell us what you've been learning in class. Eric goes, the Bible is God's word. And Caleb begins to recite, all scripture is inspired by God, able to teach us what is true. And I sat on my couch, and I wanted to come up off the thing, and I wanted to, ah! If it had been children's church, I'd have tackled everyone, I'd have hugged them like Dino, and I hard to tell what would have happened. But you know what? It didn't stop there. I had to go to the hospital last night, see a young fellow who, who's a part of this church. He, he's facing some treatment and stuff. And if we sat in the ER last night, he was he knew he wasn't gonna be at church this morning, and he goes, I hate, I can't be there for the rebels of the book stuff we're doing at church. He started talking about the lesson last week, and here he is fighting a battle really for his heart and his life and his emotions and all that stuff. And I went, Oh yeah. We're equipping kids. We're it equips us to grow, it helps us to be what we ought to be, to become all, and it gives us the tools to fight life, to fight death. It gives us the tools to fight for eternity. It is that. Romans, I mean, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You know what else it does? It frees us. Frees us from the bondage of our flesh and the world. John 8 says these words. Jesus said the people believed him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You know, our flesh gets in the way. See, the, the context of the story is these people were fleshly children of Abraham. And God, Jesus calls them to task. They weren't really living up to what God had called them to be. And they were looking at everything after the flesh and after the world around them, after the practical side of things. 
And Jesus looked at me and said, listen, you will know the truth. These words I'm speaking to you, they will free you. This truth of mine will change. Some of you have been in bondage to things of your flesh for a long time. You've been in bondage to the philosophy of the world. You've got to get yours when you can get it. You've got to have this big house. You've got to do this big thing. You've got to have this right car. You've got to do all that stuff. And you've been in bondage to that stuff. If you know the truth and you know who you are in Christ, you are free from all that stuff. You're free from the rat race of business, aren't you, Brandon? Huh? If you know that, if the truth gets to be a part of you, it frees you from those things that the world likes to bind you with. Oh, man. Isn't that awesome? It frees us from guilt, Brian. Appreciate you listening to the voice of Jesus this morning. Reading to us that there's no condemnation in that are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5 says these words. For husbands, this means to love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, the church, to make her holy and clean, washing her by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. She will be holy and without fault. If you're in Christ today, it makes no difference. If you've had an abortion, it makes no difference. Even if you've killed an adult person. It makes no difference if you cheat on your taxes, and I hope none of you have done that. It makes no difference if you've stolen something. It makes no difference if you've committed some kind of other heinous act. If you've got a laundry list this long of how horrible and awful and ugly and bad and, and terrible you've been, you know what? When you came to Christ, he took his word. He started to cleanse your heart from the inside out. And now today, everything Satan could hang over your head has been washed off of you as if you took the most amazing shower you have ever taken. You are free from guilt. You are free from sin. You are free from the heaviness of it, the darkness of it. If you don't measure up, join the crowd because I don't either, but Jesus washed me clean from all of that. It's okay. Huh? Is that awesome? Let's read another piece of scripture. That's good stuff. John 15, 3, listen to these words. You have already been pruned and purified because the message I have given you. NIV says these words, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Sitting right now in this spot, hearing the word of God, it's as if you're having a Holy Spirit shower right now. Whatever stuff you packed in this morning, just let it wash on off because the word of God's at work. It's better than any body, body wash you can get from bath and body or any place else. Woo! Man, I feel like I'm having one right now. I'll just stand underneath this. You ever get in one of those showers? You just want to stand there all day like, oh, yeah. My wife will start yelling for me. Aaron, uh-huh. Are you done yet? Uh uh. I'm gonna stand here all day. Then the water gets cold. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something about the water we're standing there. It won't ever get cold. It won't ever become uncomfortable. I don't, I don't mean that like I mean, it will make you uncomfortable. Now listen to what I'm about to say. When you're underneath the washing and the cleansing, it's never gonna leave you in a spot where you're like, ooh, ah, ooh, it looks like ah. When you're there ready for it just to cleanse you and you open up yourself like this, it's just gonna wash and wash and wash. I need me some of that. I need me some of that. Every day I need some of that. Hmm. 
You know what else it does? It protects us. Bruce, you know me too long, don't be laughing. He's like over there going, believe me, that boy needs some of that. (laughs) Amen, brother, I'm right with you. It protects us from sin. Psalm 119.11, a lot of you can probably quote this with me. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It protects us even from ourselves. It protects us from our ability to do things we know we ought not do. Are we ever going to get that perfect? I don't think so. Here's why I know that. The Apostle Paul writes a whole chapter about not getting it and wanting to do right things and not be able to get it accomplished. It was just right after he writes, right before he writes Romans 8, where there's no condemnation. He realized, I'm never going to get it together, but I don't walk into condemnation. I walk into the blessing of Jesus, the favor of God, because he knows my heart is right towards him. I keep allowing him to cleanse me. So he protects me even from myself at times, from sin and stuff that just tried to get on me. He protects me with his word. I hide it in my heart. Boy, that's good stuff. You know what else he does? He protects us from error because Jesus is the word. That could be another message later on in a couple weeks, but Jesus is the word. If if, if you you don't understand anything, if you just are seeking to attain knowledge during these 40 days, you are missing the boat because you're not seeing, it's just not about knowledge. It's about coming close to this person called Christ. And he will protect you from yourself, from sin, and he will protect you by his word from error. In Matthew 22, 29, he looks at some Pharisees and he goes this, your mistake is you don't know the scriptures, your mistake, your error. You err, one passage of the scripture says, because you don't know the scriptures, is what he tells them. You, you, your mistake is, is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. See, we could give in to the culture and start thinking thoughts about life that aren't necessarily true. Okay, We could get into believe, well, maybe it's really not a life until, you know, the first trimester. And then we'll keep listening. Maybe it's the second trimester. Maybe we can get clear into the third trimester, and maybe that's really not a baby in there. Maybe it can be born, but if I know this word, and I know that the Bible says God knows us as we're being knit together, then I'm protected from that error. It don't matter what ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, it don't matter what Harvard, Yale, uh, Caltech, MIT, whomever, no matter what they say about it, the Bible already says. And if it's historically and scientifically and prophetically accurate, then that thing Jesus said is the cornerstone must be true. It protects me from error. Paul writes to Timothy and he says these words. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy and division and slander and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy." See, if we know the word, we won't get caught up with all that goofiness. If we know the word, we can know that he means what he says and he says what we mean. We have to quibble about terms and we have to get it. Man, God is true. Jesus came in the flesh. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He's coming again. Brother, that's the gospel. 
And he tells us how to live a godly life. He protects us from error by staying connected to his word. Now, I'm kind of wound for sound today, and I don't apologize for it. Jesus is praying his, his, his real prayer. We, we, call, we call what he taught when the disciples asked him to pray in, in Matthew the Lord's Prayer. That wasn't a prayer. That was a teaching. It's an outline about how to pray. It's like he was doing a discipleship class. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said, this is how you do it. It's a teaching. In John 17, you'll find the words that Jesus actually prays. His actual prayer, dialogue between him and the Father. You find that in John 17. And in John 17, Jesus says these words. He says, Father, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. See, we are set aside for divine purposes, not because we are anything, but because he's everything. And he takes his word and he cleanses us and he causes us to be what he wants us to be. We become transformed. We become built. We become encouraged. We become fed by faith. We become, we, we become a growing, functioning thing. We, we are protected and free to be all that he designed beforehand for us to be, to do all that he wanted us to do. And he did that by his truth. So how do I cross this bridge? A couple things. First, you must receive it and accept it. You have to receive the word of God. You have to accept it as the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received, you opened up his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, of which, it, which, of course, it is, Paul said. And this word continues to work in you who believe. It does not stop. The Bible says he is faithful to complete what he starts in us. And I'm grateful for that. Am I right, Mom? That's a good piece of scripture, isn't it? Huh? She prays that over some people in her family who remain nameless right now. I know them very well, actually. He finishes what he starts in us. But then, when we receive it and accept it, we must wield it. We must act upon it, and we must speak it. John 13, 17, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. We, we, we do it by acting upon it and by speaking this word of God. Paul tells the, the, the people in Ephesians to take the word and pray. Right now, when you face something and Satan's trying to beat you up, you pray and you better find enough of the Word of God to pray about that using that sword. If we learn to wield this sword, we will become all that God wants us to be. Today, where you're saying, Brian's in a very important statement, we can say we believe something all day long, but we really aren't believing it until we act upon it. Go back and, and listen to the first message where I, I, te- I, I taught on, oh, no, I almost said teached, and that's because I'm from Southern Ohio. And I taught about, it's not just good enough to hear, we must do. That's the foundation. The foundation is built not only, not just as we hear, but as we hear and do. Read Matthew 7, 24, down through like 27, I think. That's how it grows. So I must not only receive it and accept it, I must believe it and act upon it. That's how I wield it. I must speak it as I pray. I must speak it to my neighbors who don't know Christ yet. If I don't give them anything 
and I give them the word of God, it begins to work on the inside because it will do what it's set to accomplish. And when I pray for them, I pray the word of God over them. When I go into a hospital situation, I go and pray the word of God as best as I understand it. When I go into a house that's in disarray, I pray the word of God over that house. I begin to speak those things that God says to speak. I willed it. Jesus willed the sword of the Spirit against Satan when he spoke it. Not just when he believed it, because he knew it. It became active when he spoke. It became active when he acted upon it. You get that? Something I want to tell you before we get done in here. Word-wielding people are world-changing people. Word-wielding people are world-changing people. You want to change your home? Wield the Word of God. You want to change your workplace? Wield the Word of God. You want to change your neighbor? Wield the Word of God. Huh? You want to, now be careful. You want to help your spouse down the path? We hold the word of God. Don't be nagging. Proverbs talks about that. When you're praying for your spouse, we hold the word of God. When you're praying for your children, we hold the word of God. You want to change your state? We hold the word of God that says life starts at conception. And act upon it. Are you hearing me? That's what changes things. It transforms things. It takes darkness and brings light into it. Things are different. Stand with me if you would. Leaders, wherever you are, come on up this way. Real quick. Right now. If you say, let me tell you something. I don't make a miss a point to do this. If you're without Christ this morning, the best thing I can tell you is how to find him. You are lost without him. You need him. And you are lost. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. I got a list of stuff I could tell you about me. You wouldn't want me being up here talking to you if you knew all of them. But it doesn't stop it. You know why? Because the grace of God is sufficient through the person of Christ. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. God has got me covered because I have accepted his word, believed in his salvation, his sacrifice on the cross, and I've allowed it to transform my life. That's the only thing. And today, if you're standing here and you don't know Jesus, you can know him. It's believing that he is the son of God, that he is eternally the, the only way of salvation, and that you say, God, I need my life to change. I need to change right now. I come to you. And you say those words, and blam, it changes. If you want more information on that, one of these people standing here will guide you into that. For others of you, listen to me. Maybe you're not wielding this weapon God's given you like you ought to. Maybe you do run to the phone before you run to the word. Maybe you do run to the TV and take the gospel from everything the news people are saying. Maybe you do take, take the advice at work before you take the counsel of the word of God. Maybe you'll do all those kinds of things. Today is the day to stop that. Today is the day to commit yourself that this word of God becomes the only foundation I build myself on, that I walk on, that I live on. The only bread that I eat. 
And so you've got to say today, God, I believe it. And I say, some of you right now today know that God spoke to you probably even this week out of his scripture. And you've, been, you've not acted upon it. You've said, yeah, I believe that, God. And he gave you some specific direction. And you're still sitting still, not carrying it out. Today is the day you say, God, I heard, I listened, now I obey. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. Now I'm going to act upon it. And I'm going to speak it. If you need prayer in any of those ways, won't you come right now? Everybody looking around? Absolutely. No music playing? Absolutely. Right now. Right now. You don't know Christ. You're not acting upon the word. You need the word to give a, 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 a higher spot in your life. You're not receiving it. You're not accepting it. You're not acting like you do. Come right now. Come right now. Don't wait. Don't be shy. Don't be backward. God is not here to beat you up. He's here to help you along. We are not here to hinder you. We are here to help you by praying for you even all the rest of the congregation. Right now. Right now. Some of you say, right now, Aaron, I need to know the word of God on a situation so I can move upon it. Right now, somebody say, anybody. I know what God wants me to do. I need to know how to respond. Anybody. Something's plaguing me, and I don't know how to get out of it. Anybody? Let's pray. Jesus, now we're here right now. Because, Lord Jesus, we believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, you show us where to go. You give us the truth to build our lives on. And, God, you, you are the life that motivates us. God, you're the air we breathe. God, you're the knowledge we seek, Lord Jesus. You're, you're the hope of our salvation. And so, God, right now, all across this room, God, I pray, Jesus, that people would see themselves grabbing that sword, grabbing that saber of light that is your word, Jesus, and, God, beginning to wielding it, accepting it as your word, believing it as your word, and, God, using it as your word to bring change, to bring hope, to bring life to their to their circumstances, their home, their workplace. God, I pray, God, we would not just be mere hearers of it. We'd be doers of it, God. We'd be speakers of it, God. We'd be prayers of it, God. Lord Jesus, I pray that the people of Church Triumphant, God, would bring change to the world by using your word, by believing your word, by acting on your word, God, by reading and ingesting and growing in your word, Lord. Lord Jesus, do this with me right now. Just throw your hands up where you are. And Lord, you see us. And God, we submit to the authority of your word like Jesse talked to us about last week. That God, it is truth. It is from you and you reign supreme. And so God, we submit to whatever it says. We, we, we commit ourselves this week to carry it out and to be what you want us to be. Lord, we trust you and we love you and we honor you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for doing that. It's in your great and amazing name we pray, Jesus. We say amen, Lord.